we are in a series that we're calling Legacy, and this is, uh, this is a big one for me. Uh, I'm thinking right now about the end of the year and kind of where my life is and where my life is in the big scheme of like eternity and uh, what's going to be, what, how I'm going to be remembered uh, when I'm dead and gone. Uh, I don't know if you realize, but your life is going to happen before you know it, and it's going to be over. And uh, I think the way that like life happens is like sometimes we can, we can be workaholics and just work all the time. Um, and some of us um, that can be the opposite of that, where we just, we fall into lazy and we just fall into TV and we stare at this, this screen and, and we do nothing. And I just, I, I want you to know that like, it's important how you're going to be remembered in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, in 100 years from now. And that requires people being intentional. And so I care about my legacy um, and I want to make sure that I make a difference. I think God put that inside all of us to make a difference. The desire to know that our life was significant and it made an impact. We're talking about legacy. Two weeks ago, we talked about the great legacy of Father Abraham. Y'all remember? Who had many sons? Many sons? You guys are lame. Come on. Uh, last week, we talked about the legacy of someone that we don't know who even had kids, and that was the worshiper uh, who fell at the feet of Jesus, bringing this great alabaster jar. Man, it was so wonderful. Today, I am telling you that I am doing a daunting task. Uh, I am not fit for this sermon. However, no one else signed up. So, uh, no, uh, the Lord kind of just said, this is what you're going to do today. I think this is the most difficult sermon I may have ever preached. You're going to understand why here in just a second. Um, if you can, all stand with me. We're going to read together. Genesis, or no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1. Um, and I apologize in advance for what's about to happen. For, the, for this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, the descendant of David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah and his father Perez and Zerah, who was the father of Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezra. Hezra was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amimadab. Uh, Amimadab was the father of Nehoshan. Nehoshan was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehubim. Rehubim was the father of Abirajai. Abirajai was the father of Azza. Azza was the father of Jesaphat. Jesaphat was the father of Jerohom. Jerohom was the father of Uriza. Uriza was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Isa. Isa was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Menaniah. Menaniah was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of exile to Babylon. After the Babylon exit, exile, thank you, uh, was the father of Sh Shiltal was the father of Zahibarbom. Zahibarbom was the father. I'm not even trying to be funny, guys. I'm sorry. Like, this is just what you're stuck with here this morning. This is the word of the Lord, literally. 
Abun was the father of Elikim. Elikim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zakod. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eladai. Elidim was, I'm, this, I'm just doing my best here. Elidim was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the mother, the, whose husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exit to the Messiah. And this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we pray? Hey, Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this passage. Maybe you're like me where uh, you long to know God's word and you uh, decide, hey, Lord, I'm going to read today. And you start off in the very first part of the gospel of New Testament and Matthew, and you just start reading and you just skip to the end of the chapter. Anyone else ever do this? Well, uh, the Lord just started fixing me here over the last several months that this was not going to happen. And uh, I started studying this, the genealogy of Jesus. And I learned a couple things. A lot of things that I'm not going to be able to say in 30 minutes. But um, I don't know how much you know about Jesus' genealogy. But I'm going to try to sum up what I can see from afar off. Now, while I butchered that this morning, I did think it was important that I read it to you. I actually practiced by just doing my audible Bible and just hitting play, and, but I thought that would be lame. This is the word of the Lord. And while I often like to read over it, it's important that some of you that may not realize how important the word of God is. This is not just a book that I bought at the store. This is a book that many people died and gave their life to translate and were killed because they held a copy of it. And, uh, and so while it's really difficult because I don't know who most of these people are, they were significant and their life made a difference. Today, I want to talk to you about the legacy of Jesus, your legacy. Uh, as I think about this uh, big picture today, we're going to talk big picture, small picture, big picture, small picture. Uh, one thing I can tell you about this whole thing is that God has a plan and oftentimes it's messy. It's messy. God has a plan. You're part of that plan. I don't know if anyone's ever told you, but I have met several people, and many times in my life, I, I also have felt like I was an accident. Like, what is the purpose of my life? And I want you to know that your life is absolutely significant. You were created by the Lord. He breathed life into your lungs, and you exist for his purpose, and he has a plan for your life. I think that if we don't say anything else, it's crucial that you know that. As I read all of these things, it's really funny to me that all of these listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. While that's all significant is because of, it's awesome to see 
this family tree that God was growing and how he, he knew right where Jesus, he was going to put him in the timeline. And Jesus' birth changed everything in history. Now you can't say that it's 10.06 in the afternoon without recognizing that Jesus is Lord because time has literally changed because of the birth of our Messiah. I think that that's fantastic. And God picked his point of birth throughout time and he caused 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations all to plant him here. Because when he made a promise to Abraham, it was significant. And he said that he would be blessed and that many nations, he'd be the father of many, many, many nations. And I just want you to know today that God has a plan and you are part of it. I think of the simplicity of this whole genealogy and I think of this, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. A plan to prosper you, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. I want you to know that your life, God has a plan for, but I also want you to know that everybody in your family, God also has a plan for there is no one in your life that's an accident. Now, I say that with a little bit of humor because I recognize that it's Christmas. And I recognize that some of you are going to bump into some family members. You know what I'm talking about? Some family members that like you're not always proud to see. Like, you know, just the awkward ones where it's super weird and they just say the most odd things and you scratch your head and you go, what is happening? How are they part of my, what, you know, what is, and, and I just want you to remind you that if you don't know who that person is in your family, you know that, right? Every family's got one part of God. So um, praise him for that. But you are part of God's plan, and so are they. And what I do know is that this Christmas, um, as I was praying, I had like a vision. And it was like a, a, a dinner table. And I saw like a whole lot of plates and, and people sitting. And I've had this vision multiple times in the last month or so. And I felt like it had, has had multiple different meanings every time I have it. But I just see that Christmas, for a lot of you, this year is going to be messy. You know, like, it just looks different for all of us, our family. It, it may be super intense between two people. It, there may be, this may be the first year that a loved one is not with you. This may be the first one that, like, you're divorced, and now it just looks different. I just, I know that I recognize that family sometimes is, is messy. Um, and it's hard, and it's intense. And while I look over Jesus's family tree, I read a lot of names that may not be significant to a lot of you. In fact, I read a lot of names that's not even significant to me, and I read the Bible every day of my life. Some of these people, I don't even know who they are. And I just thought about how significant it is that your life matters. Time out for a second. Let me remind you. Big picture... God has a plan. Small picture, I don't know what you're doing. The Bible says that my life is a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And while I look at these stories of these people that lived, this is like historical document. These people 
actually breathed oxygen on this planet. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? I mean, I come to realize that like there will be a day when I am no longer on this planet. And that's weird to me because I feel so important in my own world. Does that make sense? But I'm not in my own world. I'm in his world. And I want to make sure that the names that come across this page make a difference. And so I wanted to just show you a cool illustration about something that, about legacy. This thing is killing me today. Uh, I've picked up a book uh, a couple years ago. It was actually, I bought it, but I bought it from a family member. It's called To the Best of My Knowledge. This is pretty cool. Uh, Someone in my family made this book about our family tree. I thought it was pretty rad. And it's got everyone in my family for as far back as 1702. And uh, it's pretty, pretty rad. I'm sorry about that. I'm just going to move this over here so I don't slip and fall, which I, if you're new here, <laughs> it happens. Uh, so, uh, but it goes all the way back to like 1702, and there's like pictures and like tombstones of like people that lived and stuff, right? And, and this like goes in a lot of different directions of people that lived and lived and lived, and this person lived and had all of these kids, and, and it's pretty cool. My mom, uh, she comes from a family. My mom has uh, seven siblings, and she's one of eight, right? And so with the timeline, all of those. And what's really neat is like in the blip of history, I'm on, and just in this book, I'm on page 57. And it's really cool. Let me tell you about my life. Um, there's, it says that my mom had, uh, had Tanya Marie, and she was born on this day. And she had Robert and, uh, born on this day. And then, and then she had Tim, and he was born on this day, period. And I just think about that in like the grand scheme of things, like there's nothing written awesome about me in this book. But there is things written that's really cool about people that like were in my family. Like there's one guy that was like a world weightlifting champion. And one guy, um, I definitely was a member of this family. He, he, was, um, he, was the, he won like a national eating competition. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to grow this family one way or another, you know what I mean? Uh, so um, that's really gross. Um, I can feel my wife cringing right now. Um, but I just think about like, um, I don't want my life to that be my story. But like, if we're not careful, we won't make a difference in life. Because the enemy will either speed you up or make you almost irrelevant. You have to go out of your way to be Intentional. Like with Christmas this year, there's some people that don't have money. And I was talking to someone earlier and I was reminded that like actually having less money this Christmas may be an advantage because now you'll be super intentional about your gifts with your words. And I just want you to know that if you have a messy family, there are people in your family that need you to be present in a way that you don't really want to be. Because the situations that matter the most will be the most difficult. And so if you have difficult people in your family, I want you to know this is probably a call of God for you to be intentional, to be present, for you to make a difference. Otherwise, you would have just lived and died. Does this make sense? 
And I know based on Father Abraham that you don't have to have many sons in order to have a legacy. And I know that based on the woman with the alabaster jar that your worship can, can make a difference in people's lives. And I know that your words can and your gifts can and your love can and your actions can and your time can and your service can. You can do a lot of things and make a difference. And you can also do a lot of things and not make a difference at all. Going back to Jesus' timeline real quick. Um, the big picture is... Um, Abraham, God made a promise to Abraham, and through Abraham came the Son of God, born to take away the sins of the world. But it's really funny to me, this story, because they're just names I know to some of you, but um, having done some research, I know that like what is funny about Jesus is he was actually born in the messiest of situations. Like He was born from like, awful sin situations. Like the first woman mentioned in the scripture is Tamar. And Tamar actually gave birth to her sons out of wedlock. And she pretended she was a prostitute and got her father-in-law drunk. And like, wait a second, this sounds awful. But Jesus came through that situation. And I think like on the big situation, there are things in our life where like we can see God, like if we look back on the big situation, but there's things happening right now in the, like at your table that just feels like, God, where are you? And I think in situations like Tamar or like, you know, I don't know if you know, but Jesus came, was born through um, Rahab. She wasn't even like an Israelite. Rahab lived in Jericho was born of the Moabites and she would have been the prostitute that brought in the spies into Jericho and changed everything for Israel. But she was a prostitute and Jesus came through that situation. And I just like in my own life, like maybe it's just me, but I sometimes, I know that we're all called to walk by faith, but sometimes it's hard because I just see it in the natural and it just feels like, oh God, where are you? And God all the whole time had a plan that he promised Abraham that something awesome was gonna come from his heritage and it's just gonna take a very long time. And this is unfortunate for our generation who lives on the microwave. You know what I mean? Like if we have to wait two minutes for ramen noodles, it's too long, you know? And like, I'm the only one? Okay. <laughs> like, um, there's so much happening in these processes. But as I'm, as I'm looking through other situations, I, I see this crazy like pendulum swing from like God coming through a righteous person. And then situation getting ugly and them becoming super, super sinful and ugly and selfish and filled with, and there's so many people here, like I think of the story of, of Boaz and Ruth. What godly heritage, like to have someone like Ruth, man, that's a woman of God and a woman of honor and a woman of character and a woman of, but Jesus also came through Bathsheba according to the scripture. And what's so fascinating is Matthew went out of his way to mention these women that are involved. Godly and ungodly. 
Because Bathsheba was no saint. She also had an affair on her husband, and out of that came Solomon, you know, through King David. She was the beautiful princess that was a victim of David being a jerk and lustful and awful with his authority and like totally taking advantage of this woman. But nonetheless, she wasn't like innocent. And through this ugly situation without like wedlock and there wasn't like this perfect situation where this husband and wife came together, there was murder involved in Solomon's birth and there was like deceit and there was chaos. And I can see some of you at your family table this year and the uncomfortable conversations that God is putting you in and it just feels messy. Like, I don't get along with these people. I don't know how to talk with them. Things are awkward. Things are, And I just want you to know that like God placed you here, now, in that moment to not be powerless, but to be strong. And to have eyes to see that Jesus can come through any circumstance. We are people of faith. And if you don't see beauty in ashes, you're seeing with the wrong glasses. Because in the moment, it looks like your situation and your family and things are messy. But when you look at the big picture and you can see the hand of God, it's almost like, how did I miss it? Does this make sense? I believe that God has a plan and I believe that many of our situations are, are, are messy. The scripture says, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. To him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so I just have to ask you, just for a second, can you close your eyes and think of any family situation that you have that is currently messy? Because Jesus can do more than you can imagine in that moment. And I just invite you to be filled with the spirit of Jesus to be filled with authority and power and the resurrection power of Jesus, that you can recognize that he placed you in that situation. You can open your eyes. Because I don't want this to be a message that you hear, but one that empowers you in the moment. Um, as I'm looking at this, I'm also looking at the fact that there's, there's no situation in your family that you're a victim of that he can't break. And so when I think of the fact that Jesus was, came from murderers or he came from adultery or he came from like, like some of these kings murdered prophets, like just awful humans was part of Jesus' lineage. I also think that I know my past and I wasn't raised a believer. And in any moment, the spirit of God can move in your life and it can break anything from the past. While I have genealogy, it doesn't define who I am. Only Christ does. And so I, I, I just want to make sure that you understand that like he is inviting you into something called a redemption 
when he wipes away the past and makes you presently involved in something new. I love the legacy that God is giving me. And as I'm worshiping this morning, I'm weeping because I know what I'm talking about. And I know some of you don't have an idea what I'm talking about, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you saved me. Like I look at this family tree and there are so many people that are in that story that were believers that they wrote about in that book. And there are so many that it mentioned nothing of their faith. And while I say that to be significant, I want to remind you, I'm not sure that anything we do on this earth matters in heaven outside of Christ being involved. Jesus is the only thing that's eternal. And while I may be a good person and do a lot of nice things, I want to make sure that I bring Christ into all my efforts to do good in people's lives. Because ultimately, I can just do something kind, but Christ can do something eternally kind. Does that make sense? This is like the weirdest and hardest message for me because I'm like, Lord, you want me to talk about Joash and like Johima, but like, and the people that I feel like were insignificant reminds me to be intentional with my life, be intentional with my words. Be intentional with my gifts. Be intentional with with my finances. Be intentional with my family and with my time. Snuggle more if you can. Because there are people that would kill any, that would do anything to snuggle again. And so you have to be present where you are, though the situations may be messy. And I think of like, this is a little bit of a ramble. I guess this, I'm just in the moment right now. But when I think of like Rahab, I think of how easily she could have missed her assignment. But how in a moment she saw what could be the Lord, responded to these spies of Israel, changed everything for a nation and became a part of Jesus's family tree. So I just, I guess I want to close with this. This is a shorter message than I've done probably all year, which I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Rachel, would you come? In a moment, everything can change. Um, But when I think of Rahab, I want you to know that like God used her, although she wasn't usable. Like in and of herself, her identity would have been crushed. Like she was used and abused and thrown out and thrown out and thrown out and thrown out. And God still uses broken people all the time. And so if you feel like you can't make a difference, it actually makes you the perfect candidate for the Lord because your pride isn't involved. Pride is the worst kind of people. I don't know if you've ever met them, but it's the people that find myself saying, God, how can you use me? And then the Holy Spirit just comes and does something beautiful. What I know is that like they, they say that more than 75% would, would go to church if someone invited them. And Christmas Eve, it's like the highest stats ever. And I'm not, I know I'm talking about church right now, but that's really not even what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to, I want to empower you with something. 
Like, but if you're not careful, you'll, you'll come unprepared for moments that are bigger than you. And you're gonna be invited into circles where whether you realize it or not, everyone, if you call yourself a believer, has marked you, especially the unbelievers in your family. They're waiting for you to say the wrong thing so that they can qualify themselves because they don't want to be like you. And I want to prepare you for the moments that are bigger than you because God is calling you to make an impact in your family that is currently messy and filled with darkness. And it only takes one word. I, I love that song that we sang about like, um, like he spoke into darkness and the darkness was afraid of it. Or so, I don't know. It was My song was better than her song or something. I don't know. It'd be cool to do a lot of things like travel and go see the world, but like in the grand scheme of eternity, like everlasting and thousands of years times thousands of years times thousands of years, whether I make it to Africa or Egypt or like the Grand Canyon isn't that big of a deal. But what will be a big deal is if my brother is with me in eternity. It is a big deal that my family is with me in eternity. It's, it is a big deal that people that I've come in contact with are with me in eternity. And right now there are situations in my life and I believe in your life that don't look like they're salvageable. But now onto him who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. And I just wonder like, as I look through this genealogy of Jesus, how many times the situation went really, really bad. And yet here comes Jesus. God has a plan, and his plan is to use you and move through you. And y'all do me a favor and just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Holy Spirit, I believe you're here right now. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would speak to your people. It, this is twofold. One, I think that I'm praying for some people that have a situation in their life with a family member that's ugly and broken and needs restoration or just needs some clarity. Like I just have someone that God's breaking my heart for right now and I, I need him to use me. And then there's another that like you just feel right now like you're maybe not right with God or you're not usable by God. And I just, that's a lie. That's not from the Lord if he can use me he can use anyone if you're here today and you don't know if you're right with God or you don't you feel like you're not right with God or you feel like you can't he can't use you I just want to take a moment and pray for you the scripture says um Though my sins were as scarlet, he washed as white as snow. And I just, I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I believe that it still redeems, still washes, it still cleanses, still makes us whiter than snow. If you are saying, Pastor, um, I need the Lord to make some big changes in me. Would you just raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. 
That's awesome. God bless you. Man, that's awesome. God bless you. Wow. Praise God. God bless you. It's huge, man. I just pray right now, dear Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? Would you make me new? Would you bring change into my life? Would you help me to see your hand, your plan, your love? Lord, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? Would you make me like you? Would you give me your Holy Spirit? I just sense your presence here right now, Lord, and we thank you for that. Hey, and for everyone else in the room, you can sense that there's a conversation that's probably going to have to be had or it's really awkward. And I want to invite you to be anointed right now and not powerless, but be filled with light and love and hope. And if you can sense a moment that might be coming on the horizon that could use a little bit of light, if that's you, you raise your hand. I just want to pray over you. That's awesome, man. Hands up all around the room. That's All I want is my assignment in life, you know? I want to make a difference. Jesus, I pray for your church, for your people, for, your, for the love of God to abound for wisdom to abound, for discernment to be so present, for there to be clarity where there's currently confusion, where there's uh, just messy, ugly, gross feelings. I pray that you would separate all that stuff and you would just put love in us and boldness in us and power in us and zeal and kindness and goodness and resources and affection. Lord, we, would we be moved by love? Lord, would you use us to reach people that need hope? I pray for restoration. You made us, your word says, ambassadors of reconciliation. Help us to bring people back to you. We just thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for 2020. I, I can't believe I'm thanking you for 2021. But I am grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be healthy. I'm grateful to have people in my life that love me and call me to step up my game and live a life worthy of the calling that you called me to live. I'm thankful for this moment. I'm thankful for people that I love and that love me. I'm thankful for family outside of family. I'm thankful for this moment right here. The oxygen running through our lungs. Teach me, Lord Jesus, to be mindful of all the days that I have. This could be my last Christmas with people I love. May I live it purpose, with passion, 